Is there anything you would have done differently? We reported a true story. Our colleague Brian Williams is back in Kuwait City tonight after a close call on the skies over Iraq. Controversial Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh and questions about Kavanaugh's drinking in the past. Sean Hannity, come on up, Sean Hannity. Today, Andrew Cuomo is having a moment. Hey, y'all. I'm Chris Steyerwalt. And I'm Eliana Johnson. Welcome to Ink Stained Wretches, where we break down what is going wrong and what is going right with the American news media. What if I did the whole show just in the Cletus, the slack-jawed yokel voice, did the whole thing? What if you brought me the most delicious cookie that I've ever eaten? I'm holding it up for... Oh, my gosh. For our subscribers online for who watches our YouTube videos. Oh, my gosh. It's Valentine's Day. I'm it's holding this Valentine's up. Day. The flavor is Nutella Heist from Last Crumb Cookies, which, Chris, I, I Googled it. Don't because say it's how like much it costs. Best, okay. Don't say how much it costs. It's shocking, but whoa, it weighs like 10 pounds. This is delicious. Well, Please sponsor us, Last Crumb. I think they're too cool to sponsor you us. You must have so much money charging what you do for cookies that you could afford just, a sponsorship just it around. of well, this it, it is they, humble podcast. I'm not eating any because I'm I desire to be less fat. But all recipients for of <clears throat> my this year has a layered Valentine and we'll get to more oh. Valentines later, but this is a layered Valentine's year and I love Valentine's Day. Oh. There you have it, America. There you have it. We have so much on our front page. No, this time that's what? not even true. We have we have many good things, but we are hardly overstuffed. We are, well, I just mean we have so much. I mean, like not random. I feel like we've had so much random. We have like obvious things like State of the Union, Don uh, Lemon behaving like a child. Do we have to talk about State stuff. of the Union? Well, are we on the front page yet? Yeah, we're on the front All page. All right, let's go. I didn't know. We're, we're hitting the front page. I I felt like it was a, your seamless transition. State of the it was Union. so seamless, you didn't even notice it. I hate the institution of the I State of the it. Union. George Will, in our News Nation coverage, said the right thing after Sarah Huckabee Sanders finished her rebuttal. And when asked by Leland Vittert what, did, what was his reaction to the evening, he said, hopefully this will finally put a nail in the coffin of the institution. You're stealing Oh my gosh, I just, need, I just need like a piece of this red velvet one here. This is back. intense. Oh. And his name is Cookie. So you're taking a cookie from Cookie. I, I don't know. Mm. <laughs> mm, mm. I thought I got the best flavor, but. Nate mm. already finished it. No? Well, don't show Eliana. She'll take it. Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, say something. You're the one who put the State of the Union in the rundown. Say something about the State of the Union. Okay. Like, Biden gave it. Mm -hmm. It was fine. Yeah. It sounded like he had a hard candy in his mouth the entire time. He struggles. It was pretty garbled. I do, I do um, like the shouty, the, the shouty Joe Biden. We're going quiet. Um, and then we're going real shouty. I, first, I'm going to do Biden. Then we'll get to the Republicans, okay? Because okay. there's much to be said about the Republicans. But, like, it was like a C performance, in my opinion. I mean, grading it on was the curve, it, was, it, would be a C, it would be a C performance if it was Bill Clinton or Ronald Reagan. For Joe Biden, that was a B. Okay. That was a B plus. To hear the press tell it, like, give these people their smelling salts. Can we just hear their appraisal of this thing? You got to, like, bring out the mop and wipe up the drool. Truly. 
All right, let's um, take a listen. What Joe Biden did tonight by not taking on China more aggressively was politically politically courageous, if you will. This was Biden, I think, at his best. The best version of Biden that we've seen in this iteration of Biden. He was at his political center. Vigorous speech from President he Biden. He was a little rowdy, mm-hmm. right? He was a little fun. He did his Bidening. It was delivered with a lot of energy and a lot of pace. It was kind of him rhetorically at his best. It's literally and they it's do. brilliant speechcraft, honestly. Like he was kind of cutting but jocular at the same time. Lighthearted pugnaciousness. And that's why the vigor with which he gave the speech was so critical. When he marinated in that moment. There's a lot of um, anxiety in the Democratic uh, sort of polit- political world about Biden's age. Mm-hmm. Mm. He shattered that tonight. He really elevated out of that room tonight. He was really trying to sort of be his identity. He was sharp and quick. Wow. So the NBC. I mean, totally objective. If you had any questions well, about, about our press, like, Dano, that was totally that, objective I, I can, analysis. The, what's her name? Alan Greenspan's wife. Why Andrea I, Mitchell. Andrea Mitchell. Whoa, whoa. That was, that was. Chris, so sexist. Just, just no, knowing a I, woman based on based on whose husband she is. She's more famous than him now, by far. But the Andrea Mitchell should do better, maybe. But look, Rachel Maddow, the and then what's his name with the glasses? Chris uh, Hayes. Chris Hayes. Whoa, you're having like Biden syndrome. All you right, can't all anything. right. I, I don't watch MSNBC, but Rachel Maddow and the, it, it. It look, it's a. M, the NBC family of news products wow. really liked. Oh, by the way, for State of the Union, I saw Lester Holt. Okay. I always forget how tall Lester Holt is. Lester Holt does not look like, and I know this sounds stupid, does not look like. I don't even t- know what led you to this thought. But... I ran into him. And okay. in, in the, because their, their studios are in the same building as News Nation Studios. Man is tall. Like he's tall. I admire it. Hats off to you, Lester Holt, and your tallness. Okay, back to what you were saying. Yeah, NBC really likes Joe Biden. And and by the way, this is one thing for sure. Joe Biden got a huge assist in his effort to avoid a primary challenge. The two most important pictures that I saw, and by the way, the switching was great. Fox News was pool for State of the Union, and they did a great job. It looked great, punching it up. And the two most important shots that I saw of the evening, the images, were Elizabeth Warren grinning just with delight at Joe Biden. Cut to Elizabeth Warren. She's so happy. That's good for Joe Biden. That's what he needs. And then the other shot was Marjorie Taylor Greene looking like the the ice queen from Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe, like just braying, screaming. And I did love the look on Kevin McCarthy's face, which was like the Wait, gym- are you, did you sk- are you skipping— now to are we doing Republican? Coverage? Well, I'm just saying in the coverage, what I saw, the images that were the best when Kevin McCarthy, like a gym coach, looking at people getting yeah. out of line in the back of the class, like, nah, come on. So Biden was fine. The media was ridiculous and absurd in in their like hysterical praise of him. The Republican heckling was pathetic and so trashy, and they really helped him um, out. Yeah, it was awful. I hated it. I hated, like, even seeing it. And I think that they were rightly castigated by the press. So I totally agree with you. I Here's Biden's. I've never been so such a bipartisan both sides. Both sides. Both sides. It's the cookie. 
your your blood sugar is yeah. at a really yeah. good place right exactly. now. Exactly. The I, I Joe Biden, if he would have given to do to do a thought experiment, imagine if Joe Biden had given the speech that he gave and Republicans had been cordial and pleasant. Uh, if that had been the case, the the narrative would be different because the narrative would be he was so bipartisan, he reached out and the Republicans were applauding for him and he was all buddy-buddy with the Republicans. Instead, by misbehaving, the Republicans allowed Joe Biden to not pay any price with his base or with the Democratic activist core, including some of the people on MSNBC, because they acted like Marjorie Taylor Greene. It was it was bad. Yes. And this was just a a funny bit that I noticed. Biden had the, has this line about how we need in his state of the union how we need more high speed internet across the country because people are driving to McDonald's parking lots and sitting in their cars to use the McDonald's internet so their kids can do their homework. And he says this, I swear, in like every speech. And I don't know why his speechwriter is. It's not like Biden. I think he probably loves it. Let's listen. But but this is like over the years. No parent should have to drive by McDonald's parking lot to help them do their homework online with their kids which many thousands were doing across the country. For a mom to get her kid on the Internet to be able to do their homework has to pull in the McDonald's parking lot? I mean, for real! In the days of having to pull your child up outside of a McDonald's to do their homework because there's no Internet anymore. How many people do you see out in McDonald's parking lots with their kids in their cars because they get access to the Internet to be able to help the kid in school? How many times have you seen a mom or a dad drive up to a parking lot outside of McDonald's and just so they could get connected to the internet. <laughs> so that was that was just my favorite funny bit from the State of the Union that I mean apparently he's he's not making progress fast enough on this high sea. Well that internet that is if, uh, first of all high sea is delicious and if you want to stop by and get a, a refreshing high sea you never see high sea anywhere. Are you old enough to remember when high sea came in a can? And you oh, use yeah. the can opener to punch holes in the oh, top. Oh, no, no, I don't know. I don't remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoa. Hawaiian Punch and High C came in probably what was like a 32-ounce can, like a big can. It was the same can that V8, that treat, came in, and the and the can of High C popped the top, and it was like, it's orange juice? Yeah, it's fine. It's like orange juice. It's got vitamin C in it. Don't worry about it. And now you can no. only get it at McDonald's. I, I For some reason, I was thinking of Hawaiian Punch, which is... So good. There's 11 kinds of fruits in Hawaiian. So good. Yeah. So good. Okay. Up next. This is, I know I have a favorite item of the week because Colin wouldn't let me do this as my favorite item of the week. Said it was too important. We had to hit the top of the show. Well, you stole this cookie. I don't blame him for taking a hard (laughs) line with you. I mean, Don Lemon on CNN, Chris Licht, call your office. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We need to play this bit Caitlin Collins wraps an interview with um, Comer, the Republican. The Kentucky Republican who is the chairman of the House Oversight Committee. Well, let's play the clip. Let's let it tell, the, yeah. tell its own story. Yes. The president's son in some of their shady business dealings. Right. That's why we're there concerned about Biden. No evidence of that so far. I understand you have questions about Well, we have evidence it. that they've influenced Petal, that they've always used the Biden. But not in relation le- to the classified We don't documents. have any evidence of the classified documents, but we're investigating that. Okay, Congressman Comer, we're out of time. Unfortunately, we have a lot more questions for you. I know you have a bunch of hearings this week. Thank you for taking time to join us. Thank you for having me. All right. Thank you. That's going to be, that's the time that we're in, where facts are sort of flexible 
That's why we got Caitlin Collins on the Hill fact-checking in real time. It was a great interview. Citing incredible sources, like citing the New York Post as a credible source and saying that facts are... It's just... I, I can't believe that we're here. Caitlin, that was a, a great interview. All right, moving Thank on. You. Um, anyway, well, now moving on, because that's... Listen, that's a big issue when it comes to the American... Hold on, please, with the music. That's a big issue when it comes to the American people. The American people are going to have to suffer through all of this stuff from election deniers to people who don't believe in facts, we don't have a shared reality, and now it's taken center stage to people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, a, an election denier, a conspiracy theorist, a QAnon sort of influencer or supporter presiding over the House of Representatives. Mm -hmm. It's a sad day for America when that happens, and it's a sad time for us when we have to deal with that. And I also think... And that was the point I was trying to make, is why it is critically important to constantly and in real time fact check, right? right? Yeah. And say, but the for example, Merrick Garland appointed the special counsel, as Caitlin said, for both Trump and Biden. And are you going to treat these things the same? The same as going back to a special counsel. I'm not sure if it was the same kind. You and I were talking about it for Bill Clinton yeah. when it came to Ken Starr. Was that effective and what it's not? Well, it's not. But I think there should be equal treatment by all. If you're going to appoint a special counsel for the former president, then you should appoint one for the current president yeah. and possibly for the current, uh, the, the vice yeah. president and what have you. So here we go. You know what is a sad day for America? When you trash your colleagues on national television, there's so many layers to this, trashing your colleague, basically, on national television, and he says, referring to the New York Post as a credible outlet, you know, the New York Post got the laptop story right while CNN was calling it well, maybe Russian he was upset. Maybe he was upset at the New York Post because of the February 2nd article from the New York Post headlined... Don Lemon, quote, screamed at CNN this morning, co-host, left crew, quote, rattled, colon, sources. Maybe that New York Post story had left Don Lemon with some bad feelings about a Alexander Hamilton's paper. So unprofessional and shocking and pathetic and childish. But it has to be in the context of this report about him. So this is the of New York. Of course, he's like in a cold war. Uh, I mean, a hot war. It's not even cold. Late last month. This is the New York Post. Late last month. It's the New York Post. So I should do it in a voice like this. Late last month, you see, Eric Hall, executive producer of CNN this morning, was reportedly ousted from the helm of the show and moved to a new role in the 11 p.m. hour, 11 p.m. hour of CNN tonight. CN didn't comment. Wait, no, that's why is that the no? The, the oh, sorry, story I'm the was about part. Lemon getting into a screaming at Caitlin Collins, but not on the air. I was um, too far. But, I was too far down. I'll, here's the top. Tensions on the set of CNN this morning have recently boiled over with Don Lemon allegedly quote screaming at co-host Caitlin Collins off camera during an ugly December incident that has left the cast and crew rattled ever since. The Post has learned. According to two sources with knowledge of the situation, 56-year-old Lemon approached 30-year-old, I don't know if the ages are that important, Collins following the show's Thursday, December 8th broadcast, and unloaded on her in front of staffers as he accused her of, quote, interrupting him on air, quote, Don screamed at Caitlin, who was visibly upset, doubt it, and ran out of the studio, doubt it. One source with knowledge of the skirmish said. So in the context of this story, the what it looks like Don Lemon, who really comes off as an ass, that he is when he refuses to yield the what I find uncollegial here, yeah, he's intimating that that Caitlin Collins didn't do a good interview and she did. 
the part of it, he's like, no, stop the music. I have to say something. And it's like, okay, what do you have to say? And it's like, just bad feelings and it's yucky. And I don't like Marjorie Taylor Greene. We should just say that it's bad. And you're like, okay, you say that every segment. Like, why did we need to not, why did we need to not play the music? So Go to commercial could, break. He yeah. stopped them from going right. to commercial Stop break. Stop the commercial. I need to say something. What do you want to say? I don't like Marjorie Taylor <laughs> Greene and the Republicans. Okay, well, we knew that. So why can't we sell? Why Why are we not here selling pre-lubricated pocket catheters to the folks <laughs> at home? I don't know. Anyway, that is a mess and not cool. So oh, that but is, Poppy Harlow, as you point out, the co-host, yeah, she like tried to desperately to clean it up, and it was very awkward. She had a she had a tweet, but at least her integrity is intact. And she said, "Watch this entire interview. It's a masterclass in great journalism." So it's it seems like we know what the I, maybe Harlow's trying to be a mediator in the situation. I don't think she's mediating. She's like strongly team Caitlin. Yeah, well, it's it's clearly the the more sympathetic role. And kudos, by the way, to Caitlin Collins for remaining professional through this weirdness. That was amazing. And, I mean, this is Chris Lick's, like, flagship, you know, you're gonna, show. So You're going to have, look, with Don Lemon, the, the trade-off of Don Lemon, he's famous, he's interesting, but he's kind of an ass. I'd, I'd prefer not to have that kind of interesting. Yeah, no, I, well, I. Look, now they got all the attention and eyeballs. Exactly. And I don't watch it, but, you know. I do. I do. I prefer Morning in America on News Nation. Check it out. Okay. On that note. On that, actually, this is like the perfect follow-up. Yep, here we um, go. Guys, did you hear per page six that a, quote, more humble Matt Lauer <laughs> is considering a media comeback attempt? Guys, if he was actually more humble, he would not be considering such a such an attempt. Why isn't it enough for people just to be rich? Uh, Matt Lauer's still got to be crazy, Lucci, right? It's got to be a lot. Also... Here's the quote from his the piece. Friend, yeah. His friends would love to see him do something again, said the insider. I, I would love to source stories like page six, said, yes. said the nameless insider. He'd be great at a podcast you or see? his own production firm using skills, using his skills behind the scenes. He looks at how someone like Megyn Kelly has reinvented herself on her own terms. Equating Megyn Kelly's so-called misdeeds, whatever they were. Well, her with, ouster with, at NBC, yeah, who, they never with, gave her, they never, get, she never was going to get a fair shake at NBC. With what? his own is hilarious. Well, and it's like, yes, I'm sure his friends would love to see him do something again. Well, I'm yeah, sure they would. Yeah, because he'd quit annoying them yeah. because he's probably, <laughs> he's probably has Ben Affleck sad face all the time as he is like, do you remember when I used to be? It's like, yeah, we remember. And just, <laughs> just, and this is like, whether it's him, whether it's, what's his name that used to be at ABC, Mark Halperin, like, is Charlie Rose alive still? Oh my gosh. Charlie Rose is alive. And, you know. But you know, I'm a fan of the Mark Halperin morning newsletter. Well, that's good. Heard for, it here, you heard it here second, because I've already said it here. That, that was my obsession one week, that, that he became interesting when he got canceled. Well, right, and he definitely is auditioning for a different for a, for a different audience now. Yeah, totally. But the the guys who are like, I'm coming back. Here we go. We're coming back. I'm going to uncancel myself to compare yourself. And I just want to say what Megan that was that he did you he did you dirty there, Megan. Well, especially because she was part of what forced him at like her her experiences at Fox put her in a position at NBC where she had to hold the line. And made things very uncomfortable for those folks. Okay, up next, we have Chris. You didn't want to talk about the 
the news that the Chinese balloon looks nothing like a weather balloon, according oh. to experts. Oh, I did want to talk about the just congratulations to balloon experts. I just want to say <laughs> for all the people who are balloon experts out there, and I'm sure there's a lot of them, but this is like, I just love the headline uh, that contains balloon experts. I didn't know there were balloon experts. I suppose that's a necessity. Oh my gosh, experts on everything. I do remember being like behind the scenes at Fox when these weird things would happen and you'd be like, find the, you know, blank experts. Remember in when the Chilean miners were trapped underground, it was like, find the, we had to find all the mining experts. It was a guy from West Virginia. All the mining experts. Who got them out. Yeah. We know about trapped miners. That's for sure. But just shout out balloon experts. I hope you enjoyed your moment. Oh, we were just debating about this before the show. An article was published in the something called the Byline Times yep. that I was not here previously aware of. Not aware of the Byline um, Times. On Russia and the the article that the C, the Columbia Journalism Review didn't publish and it is about Russia and the US press. Two and a half years ago. It's really the about Columbia, the nation. Yeah, it's about the nation. Uh, the Columbia Journalism Review refused to publish Duncan Campbell. Duncan Campbell is a British investigative reporter. Duncan Campbell's investigation into the Nation magazine and its apparent support for Vladimir P- Putin. It is published here in full. Chris, take it away. The Byline Times is publishing the final agreed copy here, and he will explain in, in what happened in a follow-up article. So I found it interesting because... I have a Cold War, you know, I grew up, my coming of age was during the end of the Cold War and all of that stuff. So what Campbell does here is he goes through and looks at how the pro-Russia sentiment at the nation, which is a left, it used to, the nation, I feel like was better for a time. Is that right? That it used to be better? I don't know. But the nation as a, as a left wing, it's further left than the New Republic. Is that probably Definitely. right? Okay, so it's like a, it's like a. But the New Republic is like, what is it anymore? Yeah, now it's, it's silly. There's a lot of silliness at the New Republic now. But we need to do an episode about the left wing mag, the world of of left wing magazines. What will you put in your in your NPR tote bag? What will you read while you are waiting for to get in to see the opera, the matinee of the opera? And the answer is The Nation. And The Nation, Campbell effectively, I think, outlines the longstanding pre-fall of the Soviet Union inappropriate connection between Moscow and the nation. And it's pretty damning. And it makes a pretty strong case about the... It, so the, what's her name? Katrina Vandenhoevel. Yeah. And her husband, and her husband is like a RT, Russia Today, stalwart, and these connections, and what the journalists there went through. And I thought it was interesting, and I I don't want, maybe they just thought it was too, maybe Columbia Journalism Review thought it was too long. Maybe they didn't like the very writing. very long. Maybe they didn't like the writing, but they publish a lot of stuff that's not too, not too super, and I, I think not publishing this, I, I don't understand, no. I'll put it this way. Their decision not to publish it invites my suspicion that the reason they didn't want to publish it was that it was too hard on a left-wing institution. The The point of the piece, which is that the nation is in Russia's pocket, is interesting. And although I, I just don't think the nation matters very much anymore, but but I take the point. The piece is like a real slog to get through. I did not find it enjoyable reading. 
It was not. It was not breezy. No. But no, I, it, I read uh, needs work. I read it while waiting to go into. Or do you know what the Art Tech House is in Washington D.C.? It's over by the what is now the Salamander D.C. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. So it's like this very Miami, like Art Basel kind of energy, and they have an amazing show where they do basically. I will. I can only describe it as it's a Japanese artist who does sculptures out of lasers. And I took the eldest man child while his brother was at a birthday party. Sounds like something he would totally enjoy. Totally loved it. Totally loved it. It was great. Okay. Oh, this, I love this. This is from Colin. This is from Colin. An, quote, anti-capitalist financial planner explains how to make ethically sound investments. This is really a piece the Beacon should have had. It's magnificent. And he's got blue hair. And t- tell us his name. His name is River Nice. Yeah, his name is really good. River Nice. His, and, his, and his brother, very nice. And it's it's just, it's, it's insider content. This is... This the insider has finally found it's the full expression of its editorial approach with this. What are some of his tips? Hit there, it. There are some compromises, Nice said. Clients can't completely avoid everything that goes against their values because, quote, capitalism and white supremacy and patriarchy are all completely intertwined oppressive structures. Dag on. The stock market is complica- is a complicated topic in Nice's practice. They believe it is unethical, arguing that workers don't earn incomes in proportion to the profits they make for the companies. Stockholders are, quote, non-workers at companies. They have partial ownership of, Nice said, but they think that, quote, workers should own the companies they work for. Nice said, however, that the stock market is unavoidable for those making financial planes in the current U.S. economy. That's the bad news. Bad news because of the... Stru- I guess what you do, you pay extra fees to this guy so that you can feel morally superior to other people. Yeah. Like, well, at least I gave River Nice. <laughs> at, least, at least River Nice is taking go, going to an interactive capybara encounter space in, in Central America this summer, and that'll be good. Up next. Oh, I hated this. Well, what? it is an interesting piece, but it annoyed me so much. But it was a good piece. Yeah, because it's something we had talked about yes, before yes. about Ron DeSantis particularly, yes. but the trend among Republicans okay. to not go through so, the mainstream press. And we, we, in a previous episode, we talked about the a lot. headline. This is a piece from Paul Kane in the Washington Post. House GOP embraces mainstream media after years of bashing fake news. And it is totally true. And it is a good and interesting piece. And I think it's a, it's a combination of CNN's concerted outreach to Republicans yes. and making an effort to draw them back on the air. And Republicans have reclaimed the majority in the House, and they want to get their their message out. And he, one of the really interesting things is Paul Kane notes that of the five major shows, ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox, plus CNN, State of the Unions, basically 50% of the appearances in 2021 and 2022 were Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, both now retired from Congress after voting to impeach Trump. So half, um, yeah, of all Republican appearance, half of all Republican appearances, almost half of all Republican appearances in twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two were from two members of Congress who were, were both totally apostate. unrepresentative yeah. of the conference. Okay, 
And he notes that in January of 2023, now in the majority House, Republicans made 24 appearances on the Sunday shows, a blistering pace to deliver their message to the total of more than 10 million viewers on those shows. McCarthy, McCarthy has embodied this shift in strategy. During the marathon votes to claim the speaker's gavel last month, he opened up to traditional media, appearing on CNN and MSNBC while walking to the House floor. And he held a news conference in Statuary Hall instead of in a formal studio in the Capitol Visitor Center, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, fine. But I think it's ridiculous if it is premised on any change in any illusion of fair treatment by any of these networks. Well, but I mean, my analogy is always a hostile media coverage for Republicans is like the Russian winter. Yeah. Which is... Napoleon and Hitler, it was not a surprise that they have a winter in Russia, right? They have a winter in Russia every year. They failed to plan for it or have a good strategy, but it wasn't like, oh my gosh, can you imagine how cold it is in Russia in January? It's cold. The media is hostile toward more hostile toward Republicans than it is to Democrats. That's a fact. But you can't sit it out. You can't Why? ignore it. Why can't you sit it out? Like DeSantis is sitting it out and- What's it hurt him? I what I it, it takes time and effort to do these interviews, right. and I struggle to see like what are what are they getting out of it? So, if you abandon, so if you go to just friendly right wing outlets, right? If you only do those, you are not create. You are it, why why is Kevin why is it in Kevin McCarthy's interest to talk to CNN and NBC now in a way that it wasn't before? Because the pressure that he needs to apply is not from the far right. It's on the far right from more moderate Republicans. I point out to people, there are more self-identified conservatives or, as, or nearly as many self-identified conservatives listening to NPR Morning Edition than watching Tucker Carlson tonight. Because when you get big, bigger multipliers, right? So that's one of the things that mainstream outlets have. If only 20% of the consumers of NPR's Morning Edition are conservatives, that's still millions of people, right? Or that's still a couple million people. So you got to go and find those people who can can provide political pressure and talk to different parts of the Republican Party and not just go on, you know, Newsmax. I think it's a waste of time. Well, they're doing it. They're doing something different. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. You got an update to your parenting. Oh, just in the category, in the category of the Washington Post terrible parenting coverage. So I got an alert. Parenting. Okay, what? I want to parent. Slow question mark, koala question mark, crunchy question mark. Your guide to the wild world of parenting styles. And it's terrible for obvious reasons, but you take a quiz and and you're promised that you'll find out are you authoritarian, authoritative, neglectful, or permissive slash indulgent? And where do you exist on the spectrum? And then you answer dumb questions to determine whether you are a crunchy or silky parent. <laughs> Would you consider yourself more crunchy or silky? What does it mean? There's koalas and tigers and dolphins and jellyfish. Okay, but what what's the difference between crunchy and silky? Well, let's see. First question, you're going to bring home a newborn soon. Do you plan to co-sleep? So first, of Absolutely course- Absolutely not. Okay, of course not. That's, what, that's why God made Sonos. Okay, that's silky. 
Silky is a much more recent term for the opposite of crunchy. I don't know what crunchy is. Parents who profess to follow the science and embrace the advantages of modern conveniences. They have no problem with formula and bottle feeding, support public schools and vaccinations. What? And let their kids have plastic toys. Okay, next question. All Wait, the na- some people don't let their kids have plastic toys? All the neighbor. Oh, can you imagine? In your neighborhood, on your block, there are parents who do not let children have plastic toys. They're BPA-free. Their children are in a burlap wow. bag okay. all the time. All the neighborhood kids are starting travel soccer. What about yours? Nope, my kids don't need organized activities. Or yes, if I think my kid is ready for that level and they want to play. The latter. Okay. That's a lighthouse parent. Psychologist Kenneth Ginsberg coined this phrase in his August 2015 book, Raising Kids to Thrive, and says that you should be a stable force on the shoreline my children can measure themselves against. Oh, my gosh. Can you people stop? Okay. (laughs) Are you doing some chores around the house? You are doing some chores around the house. Are you wearing your six-month-old? Of course, baby wearing helps a baby feel secure, or perhaps I wear my baby sometimes, but not all the time. The latter. You're scrunchy. Scrunchy parents <laughs> take some practices from both the crunchy and silky style, depending on what works best for them. Can you imagine people being this stupid? These people have college degrees. They're doc- they have doctorates. Uh, okay, I got to click through on this. Okay. Last question. Your child grabs a candy bar in the checkout aisle and refuses to give it up. What's your reaction? Quote, I know you're sad, but no candy. Do you want help putting it back? Or I let my kids go to the neighborhood store for themselves. Neither. Neither, but you have to pick one under the post stupid quiz. (laughs) Sorry, what were they again? I know you're sad, but no candy. Do you want help putting it back? Or I let my kid go to the neighborhood store themselves. It would be, I know you're sad, but no candy. But I would not be offering help to put it back. Put that thing back. You're so... So under their definition, this is gentle slash positive. So you're gentle slash negative or or, are you harsh slash positive? I don't know. Sarah Ockwell Smith. But my kid can also go to the store by herself. Yeah, sure. Your child gets a subpar grade on a math test. What do you say? Unacceptable extra math drills until you get an A plus or this is ridiculous. You studied. I email your I'll email your teacher. Neither. Are you freaking kidding me? I know. This is why the quiz is so stupid. So which of the two bad options do you prefer? I'm de- neither. I'm definitely not emailing the teacher. Uh, okay, so are you? Grade. Would you be more likely to make? Oh, uh, but I'm. I'm. I would be more likely to email the teacher than castigate my child for. Okay, bad you're grade. a helicopter mom. You did it. You've you've achieved. <laughs> Jim Fay. Yes. I would be because email. I I. It's a less direct harm to my kid. And by the way, great correction on your article, Washington Post. A previous version of this article misstated the nationality of Austra- of Austrian psychotherapist Alfred Adler. The article has been corrected. How dare you? So parenting news, and pa- this is a very long way for me to say, parenting coverage is terrible. And like, I, do, I, I liked John Rosemond. I read a couple, especially the potty training book. But I think most of it's instinctual, right? Wouldn't you say? Yeah. Like, you know what to do. You don't know. I mean, you know, whatever. Sorry, I don't like it. Oh, Chronicle of Higher Education, fear of a black We're study. We're moving on to the next thing. Fear of a black studies planet. There's a reason Ron DeSantis feels threatened by the AP African American Studies. Now, I, I put this in here not to particularly pick on the Chronicle of Higher Education, though they deserve a little. The coverage of this story has been really over the top, right? 
and there has been a lot of heavy hand. Would you agree that DeSantis has? Oh my gosh, we should talk about. I mean, at some point, talk about the coverage of uh, now, the DeSantis now is AP the time. stuff. Now is the time. We've it got has an been article. So in, inaccurate of has not been not accurately characterized what he is seeking to do. No, and also. Yes, it has, and and it's and it wasn't him. It was his board. And by the way, I bet if you took a survey of Florida residents, the idea of black studies as look, I'm not saying Ron DeSantis doesn't benefit from the argle bargle around this. Absolutely, it's good for him with Republican primary voters, et cetera, et cetera. But Lordy Day, it has been a way over the top. It's way over the top. What about the Chronicle piece? Just it is that. The idea that it can't possibly be true. Give me time to eat this marshmallow off the top of the cookie. So anyone committed to free independent thought should be alarmed by the Florida Department of Education's attempts to prohibit advanced placement high school courses on African-American studies. That's not what they said. We should be appalled that Governor Ron DeSantis and his administration seek to make it unlawful to teach and study intersectionality. Nah. That's not what's going on. The Black Lives Matter movement, black feminism, black queer studies, reparations, and black freedom struggles. These are all matters essential to the history of public culture in the United States. Very important for 16-year-olds to look at. DeSantis and company have shown a desire to ban the critiquing of the state, capitalism, and white supremacy. Who? (laughs) I I just... Here's the thing. I was having lunch the other day and this guy was talking about how the other party he's obviously in one party was it with Lester Holt no it was not with <laughs> Lester Holt though I would love Lester Holt if you're out there I would love to have lunch with you the talking about what how he goes basically said you know the other party's not a legitimate party anymore they're full of corruption and blah 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 our party makes mistakes but is sometimes misguided and I'm like and I had to interrupt him and say what do you think that people in the other party think about you? What do you think that they're saying in the competing location? And this is a, just a, such a good example of the inability to believe. It is, it is not possible, apparently, for Roderick A. Ferguson and the folks at the Chronicle of Higher Education to acknowledge the sincerity of the people with whom they disagree. This is a perfect example of, of talking past each other and uncharitable listening. All right, harumph. It's that time, Chris. Let's do it. For the style section. And we have not one but two items. The first is this wonderful New York Times piece with the headline, The Blurred Lines Between Uh Goldman CEO's Day Job and His DJ Gig. David Solomon brushes off DJing as a minor hobby that has little to do with his work at the bank but his activities may pose potential conflicts of interest. And the reporter, the reporters, Emily Flitter and Catherine Rossman, write, but Mr. Solomon's hobby occasionally brushes up against his day job in ways that could pose potential conflicts of interest. According to interviews with securities law experts and four people who have worked with Mr. Solomon who were not authorized to speak publicly, 
Company executives and public officials typically try to minimize even minor conflicts because even the slightest hint of one can bring unwanted scrutiny and bad publicity. The apparent ease with which Mr. Solomon landed the Whitney Houston remix deal caught the attention of many in the music business where even successful musicians have to hustle when seeking blessings from the various entities controlling the copyrights to worldwide hits. I'm and showing Eliana the picture it's amazing. of this dad with his headphones on, spinning records. I mean, um, I mean the piece is interesting, but my, my takeaway is, dude, you are CEO of Goldman Sachs. Can you just put the DJing on hold until... And and by the way, here's the thing. Like, you don't get the four corners. Right. If you, Or if you wanted to DJ for, like, fun at parties in your neighborhood, whatever. But the need to It's ridiculous. The need to do high profile DJ events it's ridiculous. to take DJing to the next level. And I'm not saying that there aren't great DJs or whatever, but what a what a goofy ah uh, like this that's that's silly. I will say a a friend of mine overheard this individual on a on a train on an Amtrak once talking about how he was he was coming down for congressional hearings on the train, but then had the jet waiting for him in Washington, you know, optics. Optics, So that's right. he might not be dealing with, like, you know, the cream of the crop here. All right. Our next item, and my love for Valentine's Day, continues the best box chocolates from the New York Times wire cutter. Now let me start with a annoying complaint, which is wire cutter is a bad idea because what wire cutter is, so New York, the New York Times, America's, would we say, premier – News outlet, Wall Street Journal's my is the best newspaper in America, but the New York Times certainly America's premier news source has a, a site by which it makes money by you buying stuff that they recommend, and I love in their disclosure about the chocolate, and we'll talk about the chocolates, the they the disclosure they say there's no incentive for us to pick inferior products or to respond from pressure from manufacturers in fact eliana it's quite the opposite if a reader returns their purchase because they're dissatisfied or the recommendation is bad we make no affiliate commission we think that's a pretty fair system that keeps us committed to serving our readers first really that's what it is if so do i have to take the chocolates if i send the chocolates back it counts against you wire cutter is gross a rump Okay, but do we do we want to talk? Yes. About the what? Are, what are, do you like chocolates? I am so annoyed. Like I, I like I like unique gifts that are like you have to actually think about who this person is and whether they like the thing that they're getting. Yeah. Like this. Like this cookie. You know, it's like this expensive 10-pound cookie in a special flavor. It's not just like a box of freaking Cadbury that you get at CVS. Whoa, 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 whoa. When was the last time you had really good, a box of really good chocolates? I'm just not that into chocolates and flowers, neither. My husband was so offended when I told him I'm not that into flowers. I'd rather have fake flowers, to be honest, because they, they last forever. You're very pragmatic. I'm just not that into them. So they don't have... I feel like they don't take a lot of thought. They don't have the best chocolates on here. Bissinger's chocolates are the best, but they probably didn't pay wire cutter. But anyway, I'm not I'm not bitter. <laughs> if there was a box that was just all peanut butter chocolates, I would be really So real Bissinger's, down with by that. the way, Bissinger the best Bissinger's has the great caramels, caramel hearts with sea salt. Mm. Fantastic. Mm. They have wonderful stuff. Oh, you know what else I don't they think have? I really like fancy chocolates. Like I'd rather just have Hershey's. Do you know what their bet their best thing is? What? Petty fours. Do you like a petty four? 
What do I mean? You don't like a petty four, a good petty four? I like a cupcake, a cookie, a brownie. Like I'm just not that into boxes of chocolates or flowers. Well, so right. much to my husband's chagrin, he actually has to like think. He doesn't listen to this podcast, so I'm sure he. I'm sure he delivers. I'm sure he delivers the goods. Uh, this last thing from the front page is not really. It's not really the style section, but we should talk about it because he is my colleague, particularly Evan Lambert, correspondent at News Nation. Got smacked down by security at a press conference that Ohio Governor Mike DeWine was holding because he was not wrapping his hit, apparently, as DeWine was starting. Local security got in his face, and he ended up face down on the floor and handcuffed. Unappropriately chagrined, Mike DeWine apologized for the incident and the overzealousness. But there was a train. I guess there was also maybe somebody from the community who tried to disrupt the press conference. Maybe people were freaking out. But please do not handcuff reporters who are trying to wrap up their hits. That is we that is frowned upon. Please do not do that. And also congratulations to to Evan Lambert for handling it with handling it with aplomb after even though they made him sit in jail for five hours. Have you ever been detained as a result of your journalistic oh, endeavor? Heck no, I've never heard like I have a couple times. Do you want me to follow up? <laughs> no, I mean it's just it comes with the t- some uh, it, it's sad to say but it comes with the territory if you're leaning in if you're being aggressive. I've I've never done such I've never leaned in. I've I've leaned in. I've I, I have been detained. I have even I've never shown courage I have or leaned been, in I have, such that I have been detained and put in a little cell and all that jazz. It 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 gives gives you the feeling of being a, a brave and courageous truth teller. I've never had that feeling. Dragged out of the courtroom. Chris Steyerwald, ferocious champion of yeah. the people. Chris, that brings us to our obsessions of the week. Where we break down the stories that we can't get out of our heads. Mine is downstream of Don Lemon's ah. moronic comment that the New York Post, you know, he's, he's, what is the word I'm looking for? He takes umbrage at James Comer's reference to the New York Post because that is not a credible source of news. Well, AOC in yesterday, so we're recording Thursday, yesterday in the, in the Twitter hearing, hearing about Twitter in Congress, went on a rant about the New York Post, which she referred to as the Washington Post. Mistakes were um, made. Yes, yes. So she went on this rant that we should we should play. They were trying to publish it to Twitter. Twitter did not let them, and now they were upset. I believe that political operatives who sought to inject explosive disinformation with the Washington Post couldn't get away with it, and now they're livid. And they want the ability to do it again. They want the ability to inject this again. So they've dragged a social media platform here in Congress. They're weaponizing the use of this committee so that they can do it again. A whole hearing about a 24-hour hiccup in a right-wing political operation. That is why we are here right now. And it is, it, it's just a, an abuse of public resources, an abuse of public time. We could be talking about health care. We could be talking about bringing down the cost of prescription drugs. We could be talking about abortion rights, civil rights, voting rights. But instead, we're talking about Hunter Biden's half-fake laptop story. I did like that the, or, and I, I mean that ironically, that the Washington Post did, they covered the, the coverage of 
the hearings, which are aimed at the stuff that she was complaining about, that they were turned on their head by whistleblowers who said that the company had violated its own rules regarding Donald Trump's Twitter feed and the incitement of or being racist or something. So choose your own adventure. The, the story is whatever you want it to be. All right. Chris, hit it. All right. So this has been a serious story that we have not talked enough about. The man accused of killing a Las Vegas Review Journal reporter, Robert Tellis, who was a county official, a county commissioner, I think, in Clark County, Nevada, who is in jail facing charges for having murdered the reporter who, I'm sorry that I forget his first name. Last name I know is German. I don't mean that it's a German name. I mean that its last name is German. Jeff German. Jeff German. Sorry. So the reporter, the, the, the accused murderer sat down for an interview with the local TV station from jail in which he is, in which he says that he is being framed. Now this is a, I should point out, this is a part of a, a colleague of mine. This is a, a next star station, a news nation affiliate in the spirit of dull disclosure what let's let's listen to if you don't mind just a little clip of the conversation back and forth robert tellis claims he was framed but as we first reported police say they have a dna match as well as other evidence tying him to the scene of the murder and you just say that i'm innocent and that i was framed Charged with murder and locked up for five months, Robert Tellis requesting an interview with 8 News Now to give his side of the story. Did you kill Jeff Gehrman? No, I did not. Review Journal investigative reporter Jeff Gehrman exposed issues in the public administrator's office under the leadership of Tellis, including a possible affair with an employee. Tellis then lost the Democratic primary. On September 3rd, Gehrman was stabbed to death outside his home. I don't have proof of who did it, but I know who gained or who they're gained from framing me. Okay, so question for you, Eliana. Would you do that interview? Is that an appropriate interview to do? Wait, which interview? She went to the jail, the reporter who went to the jail, and talked to the accused murderer mm-hmm. and let him tell his story about this. Is this, is this, should should he have had the platform? Yeah, for sure. Okay. I would totally do that interview. I think you're right. I think I, 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 I do, I think I do come down on the side of it that it's not, it, it's not sensationalistic, and she and she held him to account. So I think that that passes. Now the other part of the story that's interesting is that the Las Vegas Review Journal is fighting hard to keep police from looking into German's devices to see what's going on because they're afraid that it will reveal his sources. Where do you come down on that? No source revealing. So even if it would help cement the case. Against the that's accused. A, that's a very tough call. It's a tough one. That's a very tough call. So it sounds like the judge in the case is leaning toward giving, letting the police have access. And on the other hand, there's lots of, as you heard in the interview, there's lots of evidence against the accused, right? There's DNA. There's whatever. Yeah, yeah. And despite his, despite his fanciful suggestion that there are deeper forces at work here that are that have planted evidence at the police lab and all that other stuff. You know, it could it could compromise looking into stuff could compromise ongoing investigations. And obviously German was an effective investigator. It's a tough call. 
super interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, I hope whoever is guilty rots in prison for every day of the rest of their lives. Chris, that brings us to, on that note, that brings us to my favorite time of the week, which is the reader mailbag. And first up, we have, oh! I, I fear that I'm going to mispronounce her Monica last name. Oris. Yes. The fabulous Monica Oris. Okay. Well, you did it for me. She was an editor. She did style. She did life. She was the coolest lady. We all had a crush on her. She was the best. Cool, okay. Like, she was the best. And hi, Monica. And and was brought a panache and style to the ink-stained wretch world of young newspaper reporters in Charleston, West Virginia, that we all admired. So, Monica writes... Hi, Chris and Eliana. Chris, I'm sorry you were not at the Daily Mail in the 1980s when all reporters were issued this individualized coffee mug. And it looks awesome. Oh, so cool. And I like your backsplash, Monica. She's always fashionable, always stylish. She lives down down in South Carolina now and goes kayaking all the time. I think she's kayaked this circumference. We need to send Colin down to. Yeah, get down there with your canoe. See if you can can catch up. It had a design flaw in that the real gold trim caused scary fireworks if you reheated your coffee in the microwave. Oops. Which is why my mug served as a pencil and pen holder for most of my 30-year career. Enjoy listening during my morning dog walk. Oh, it's so good to hear from Monica. That is so great. I'm, I'm, I love to see you happy and enjoying life aboard your canoe or aboard your kayak. And next up, we have Brian Berkey from Pennsylvania. And Brian writes, thank you again for your wonderful podcast. Oh, my what? favorite part of the week is when I can sit at the diner eating breakfast on Friday mornings mm. while it plays in my iPods. I do love that breakfast. sounds awesome. I do love breakfast. So I'm writing to propose a bet on the Super Bowl. If the Chiefs win, I will send Eliana and Chris a substantial amount of their favorite <laughs> Park Slope artisanal mayonnaise. If my Eagles win, Chris and Eliana can each send me a box oh. of their feces, and I will return to them all of the Lego pieces I find, which I will then return. We'll also be happy to return the feces if so desired. Go birds. Okay. Brian um, Brian Berkey, you you have declined. won the super fan. You have won the super fan yeah, award. Declined. Yes, that but that layered ink stained wretch reference. And I do want to apologize again for anybody who was eating when we had our very feces forward episode last week. Chris. It was like it was like the Glop podcast the other day where they just talked about male nudity for like a half an hour. It was like a lot. Chris, that brings us to your favorite time of the week. Which is when I am forced grudgingly to say something oh, nice. But this week it's very easy. But you are going to lead by example. Well, the good news is, and Twitter caddy seems an uh, insufficiently august phrase, but as you all may know, if you've made it this far on this podcast, that I've been looking for somebody to, to take care of my Twitter account because it is an attractive nuisance. I don't want to tweet, but I can't just have it there, and I either needed to take it down delete it and, and be honest with myself or find somebody to take care of it. And you people showed up in large numbers and not weirdos, not like, I don't like professional qualified adult human beings with, with real credentials and some impressive young people, all of whom I'm really grateful for. But we ended up with, and the great Nate Moore sweater list today, as we move out well. of sweater season, the we ended up with Len Pollard from your home state of Minnesota. He is a communications professional. He is a cool guy. He has cool hair and a cool beard, so you know that he's hip. And I'm really pleased to be working with him. 
and we're going to have fun. We'll, we'll see what he does with it. But uh, you can follow me at Chris Steyerwalt on Twitter and see what Len Pollard does. Vaya con Dios. Mine is a follow-up to the intrigue happening at the Dallas Zoo. Yes. The perpetrator has been apprehended. Who is it? This guy, they're like... These monkeys were found in some random house. Okay, let me read this. The first yeah. missing animal at the Dallas Zoo um, that was either taken or allowed to escape through a hole cut in the mesh of her enclosure was a clouded leopard. As part of the search, a SWAT team descended on the zoo, et cetera, et cetera. Well, you don't, to be fair, you don't want a leopard loose in Dallas. Okay. The leopard was found was then found inside the zoo in the back area and was returned. Then detectives began trying to figure out who might have been trying to raid the zoo for its cache of valuable, fragile fauna. They found a the following week, cut. they found a, a, a vulture turned up dead, felled by an injury the police have described only as a wound. Federal agents then joined the case. Well, then they're endangered. Then, a couple of weeks ago, two emperor tamarind monkeys, and this is what we talked about on the show, were gone, and they were found cold and hungry in the closet of a boarded-up home next to a church about 15 miles south of the zoo in the city of Lancaster. On Friday, the police said they had arrested Davian Irvin, 24. He's accused of stealing the tamarind monkeys and of cutting into enclosures Did for the just, clouded leopards and the Langer monkeys. They had received a tip the day before that Mr. Irvin was in a Dallas aquarium about three miles north of the zoo checking out the animal enclosures. He had no connection to the zoo other than as a visitor and was charged with animal cruelty and burglary. It is, how crazy is that? That's crazy. They don't think that anybody else was involved in the crimes and like all other zoos in the country are on alert. What Um, animal would you steal? None. No, if you were gonna steal, you had to steal an none, animal. None, I'm, I'm none. You don't. What an, What's your favorite zoo animal? None that I would want in my home. Baby hippopotamus. I would totally <laughs> steal a baby hippopotamus. It would be no. so great. Looking at you, Fritz, at the Cincinnati Zoo. Looking at you, just for a while, just to hang out. Let him splash no. around. No? no, a capybara. No. Oh, I would definitely. Oh, steal. a sloth. I don't like sloths. Yeah, a sloth for sure. They're gross. I don't like their claws, and I don't like their dead eyes. They're so cute. Uh, pass. That's a pass. There's another, yet another incorrect opinion. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, that is all the time we have left for the news about the news. If you have a story that you want us to talk about, email us at wretches at nebulouspodcasts.com. That's wretches at nebulouspodcasts.com. This has been Ink Stained Wretches from Nebulous Media, produced by Colin Chicola. Find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for Wretches. Bye.